Welcome to Extra Virgin Travel, podcast for adventurers and armchair travellers. I'm your host, Natasha Mirosh, an insatiably curious food and travel writer who's either planning her next trip or still talking about her last. Join me now as I meet the passionate explorers and deep dive the destinations that will fire your wanderlust. Hey there, and thanks for joining me for this episode of Extra Virgin Travel. Before we get into it, I just want to give a shout out to a couple of people. Pete and Liz Dearden are both paid subscribers to the Extra Virgin Olive newsletter and they support Extra Virgin podcasts through the coffee app on the website. Thank you so much, guys. And a big thanks also to a new subscriber, Bev. I'm pretty sure, Bev, that we met many, many years ago and I love that we're still connected, albeit remotely. And if you feel inclined to give something to help support Extra Virgin and keep us ad-free, you can go to the website at www.extravirginfoodandtravel.com and on the right-hand side, you'll see a little coffee icon. Just click on that icon and for literally the price of a cup of coffee, you can help support us. Now, I don't know if you caught episode 81 with Rubia Daniels, in which the intrepid Rubia talks about how she bought not one, but two of those one euro houses in Italy. If you haven't, go and have a listen after this episode, because we're about to revisit the subject, although from a slightly different perspective, a legal one. My guest today, Michele Capecchi, is a lawyer based in Florence who has some considerable experience in helping foreigners through the red tape that's buying a property in Italy. He's a managing partner of Studio Legale Capecchi. He teaches international business law at the European School of Economics and has been a legal columnist with the Florentine an international magazine for the expat community for more than 10 years. Welcome, Michele, and thank you for joining me on Extra Virgin. I'm so looking forward to hearing more about the One Euro scheme and whether it's all smoke and mirrors or it's really possible to pick up a bargain home in Italy, as is the dream of many foreigners. Welcome, Michele, and thank you for joining me on Extra Virgin. I'm so looking forward to hearing more about the One Euro scheme and whether it's all smoke and mirrors or whether it's really possible to pick up a bargain home in Italy, as is the dream of many foreigners, including me. Well, Natasha, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to get to talk to your audience and your podcast. And obviously, we are uh, I'm a lawyer, I mean, I'm based in Italy, and we receive on a daily basis, almost every week, at least one client contacting our law firm to ask to help them to achieve their their Italian dream of buying real estate here in Italy. And a lot of these people ask me about what we're about to talk about today. Excellent. Well, we will be able to tell them. But I have been to... Some of those small Italian villages, often quite remote in the mountains, and I've seen so many of these abandoned and dilapidated houses. How, how does it come about that these houses end up in this condition? Of course, glitters that is not always gold. And there are a lot of information left unsaid about what is this one euro homes uh, deal. What is happening is that um, a lack of financial resources, sometimes a lack of interest in investing in renovation as well. Also, sometimes other type of problems, you know, some are inheriting a property from a grandfather who is in some areas in Italy that people are not interested in pursuing renovation and keeping the house in good shape. So they either abandon or sometimes they Italy legally donate the properties to the local government, which mm. obviously now find uh, a burden 
for small towns, and sometimes even they consider these properties dangerous for public safety. So what the local government do uh, in respect of these these properties, very often because of financial limitations of the government, local government, they are not in the position of taking care of renovation. But again, we're not just to be clear, in the center of Florence or in areas where you can easily sell anything mm. for whatever price you want. We are areas of Italy that very often are not very well connected to, to the rest of the country or yeah. in areas that are not so populated, so attractive for the majority of the people. So what they're doing, some of these government or some of these local government is offering these properties for a symbolic price mm. you know, with the hope of encouraging people to choose these areas as their new future homes. Mm. Many of the villages that I have seen that offer this program, villages that have been emptied of young people in particular as, you know, due to immigration or people moving away to the cities. Do you know, was was the idea of repopulating these villages part of the original scheme, the history of this scheme? To be honest with you, I don't know the first city that started promoting this kind of scheme, this kind of project or idea. I think that, that a lot of things happened, again, uh, we, we go back there, uh, during the, the couple of years of COVID that we had, when people understood understanding that, first of all, it's much more realistic and possible nowadays than before to work remotely. Half of the people here in Italy at some point found themselves forced to work from home. A lot of people decided to move out of the big centers because they want to have the chance at least to have a little walk in the countryside. So it's more or less what happened also in, in other parts of the world where people started understanding that it was actually possible to to choose the place where where they can live regardless of having to clock in, clock out because that doesn't become anymore something that needs to be done every day. Mm. And we started receiving people telling us and it became at some point a tagline in some of my, my posts, all I need is a good Wi-Fi in order <laughs> to move to Italy. So mm. a lot of people started saying, listen, I don't need to be in Florence. A lot of people started saying, I don't need to be in big centers. Give me a good Wi-Fi. Give me a good road that can you take to go to the airport or to go to the main city. I'm fine also staying uh, outside of the big centers. So I think that a lot of people started understanding that was actually a possibility. And some local government took the ride of this possibility saying, well, uh, we are receiving um, financial support from the European Union to make our our regions more interconnected from from internet technology with cables mm-hmm. with high speed internet and like solar solar panels to help like to be even more um, eco sustainable so i think that the is part of these cities trying to say well if you can really work from whatever you want why don't you take advantage of the fact that we're, we can give you the possession and ownership of the property for basically no price mm. and is a win-win situation at the eyes of a, of a government because uh, you, you get a house at no cost and uh, at the same time they repopulate areas that seem to be destined to be abandoned or with properties that once again are in very bad shape. Very bad shape means sometimes really like four walls and sometimes not even a roof that um, so it's sometimes very very heavy type of renovations that need to be taken into consideration so when you talk about the idea of the global nomad 
that would, in my mind, include Italians as well, and specifically in what you said about during the pandemic, looking for something different. Are Italians included in these one euro schemes, or is it restricted to foreigners? No, no, no. There is no restriction in terms of potential investor, potentially people willing to invest, at least not uh, for what I know. Keep in mind that this is not a national scheme. It's not mm. something that is done with one formula by mm. like uh, on a on national based uh, level. It's more city by city putting together different requirements sometimes also in terms of I give you a no cost, basically one euro. And again, we need to read between the lines because it's not true that it's a no cost. Now I'm mm. about to tell you about that. But I give you a very reasonable price, let's say, these properties. But what you want, what does the, the, the local government want in exchange? They want, for, for instance, very often, they want you to establish your permanent residency there. Permanent residence means that that's not a holiday house where you go in and out whenever you want. It's a house where you expected to spend the majority of the year and where you have to establish what we call residenza. Mm. Residenza is a concept that is similar to your permanent address, if you want to say. But from Italian perspective, it means that you, you become a local and you also become, after one year of permanent residency in that house, liable to report, which doesn't necessarily mean to pay, but to report your so-called worldwide income to the Italian authorities. This is something very important that I think that needs to be clarified. So what about the people who buy them? Are they buying it for passion? Do they really want to come and live in Italy or do they see it as a money-making scheme? I have to tell you that I noticed that there are a lot of scams outside there. And But the first advice, if you really want to jump into this one-euro thing, is to look for properties for official information provided on a website of each of these municipalities mm-hmm. to determine the exact terms and condition to qualify for this investment. Mm. So, and I, I don't, I can't say it's a scam per se because it's not. But uh, once again, I think that that so many magazines just promoted it and say, look what it's possible to do with one euro. Like you get the house for free. A renovation costs and other other technical aspects can really mm. affect the the great deal mm. <laughs> that you mm. think that you can pursue by by buying these properties. So it's a matter of people understanding that you're not going to get an amazing house for one euro, right? You're going to get something that needs a lot of work. So we're going to talk about what those expenses are in a bit. But can you talk us through the actual? legalities of buying one euro property i assume the contractors with the local municipality and i've heard that they they insist on a particular time frame generally i know you've said that it's different for each region but most of them seem to have a time frame in which you have to to renovate that property generally speaking real estate transactions need to be completed in front of a, a public officer that is called a a notary, a notario, which is very different from the public notaries you have in in Australia or in the United States. Public notary here is a public officer is appointed by the government that has some of the aspect related to being a lawyer, being a judge, because it's really the person that doesn't simply authenticate your signature, but look at the legality of the entire transaction 
and mm -hmm. uh, if and when everything is fine, he is the person who is actually registered now electronically the transfer of the title of possession, so the ownership of the property from the seller to the buyer. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, you have to show within uh, limited time frames uh, the details of the extensive and expensive renovation that will be completed after the purchase of these properties. Mm. Renovation pro um, projects must typically start within a year from the purchase. And again, so even before starting the renovation, you already have to take into account that the seller, which is the government, the local government, the municipality, maybe doesn't ask you to pay that much beside the one euro, but you already have to pay for a technical survey, so mm -hmm. a technical report regarding the renovation, you have to pay the notary. There are uh, costs related to the transfer of the title. And then and then you have to start thinking about the renovation. And very often, once the buyer complete the renovation, a while is completing the renovation, the person must commit to move their permanent residency to that municipality. So mm -hmm. the idea of saying, well, I'm getting this house and renovating it and I'm putting it on a market mm. just to stay rented. I, you need to read very carefully the, the terms and conditions under which the local government is selling the property because most of the time they want you, buyer, to stay there. Mm. It's not a property you can just put on a market. Mm. Or rent out as an Airbnb or something like that. Correct. And... You talked about a notary, but obviously it sounds like, particularly if you're a foreigner trying to navigate this, that uh, a lawyer is, is a good idea and seeking legal advice. Um, at what stage should they do it? Should, should it be that you come to Italy, you f find the, the potential property, then you engage a lawyer? And how do you, how do you find somebody who knows the ins and outs of this 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 scheme because I, I guess it's quite specialized in a way right well we as a law firm as a law firm like legal my law firm is has been done real estate transaction for the past 20 years so we do have the expertise in the background to help uh, completing any type of real estate in the real estate that transaction from the most complex and business related to the most simple buying a little uh, cottage in the mountains or in the countryside or in the whatever you want but uh, the thing is your question is very specific if someone wants to buy a property and from abroad where should they start um very often they start from us so they tell us like michele we we've we come to italy we've been to italy many times as a tourist we so we know more or less the areas we like but how do we, do you tell us where to buy? Mm -hmm. How do we find properties? Generally speaking, our job, our role as the lawyers uh, is arrives almost immediately, but not uh, in terms of helping the people to find the property. Yeah. We give them the names of realtors, national based or regional based realtors that can help them to find properties. In Italy, we have three or four big search engine that are specialized in properties that you can use to, to find the properties in, in a given area, put in the features you want to have in your property, how many rooms, if you want a garden, if you want a terrace, and so on, the price range, and etc. Sometimes some of these people, when they come to us and say, listen, we saw four or five properties 
can you help us to review the properties? Can you help us to review the document? It's one of the things we do. We have kind of a turnkey service in helping them from providing them a technical a surveyor, actually, who can help them to do the survey. Obviously, we are lawyers. We are not technical experts. We don't run the expertise for our clients, but we rely on a team of people that can help them to to figure out the, the what local rules needs to be respected in order to complete the renovation. Keep in mind, Natasha, that the renovation is not based only on national regulation. We have national regulation, we have regional regulation, and sometimes, depending on the zoning, we even have local and and city zones regulations. So Mm. you cannot just get someone, um, like especially a surveyor, in Milan, if you want to do renovation in, in Sicily, we very much support the local expert because they know the local rules mm-hmm. and they can. we can work with them more easily. We know the question to ask to these people. And our our job as lawyers is to ask the unknown questions of our client. Our clients don't know what they have to ask. So our job is to be there and to be sure that whoever is planning to buy a property has someone help helping them to ask the right question uh, when they're in the process of completing this transaction. And of course, also in the follow-up stages with power of attorneys, we represent the clients in the old document Mm -hmm. that need to be signed, we translate documents for them. So we offer a very, very complete service. But the first thing is obviously determining where you want to buy. Mm. And have you you had much to do with people who have chosen instead to invest in these one euro houses i have to be honest with you when at the end of uh, we offer mm, preliminary meetings to people as who ask us as i told you at the beginning we have at least once a week someone asking us about mm, mm. one euro house deal and what it involves the end of our preliminary assessment and first meeting a lot of these people and arrive to the conclusion that uh, actually there are other options mm. that should be taken into consideration instead of completing the one euro house process. Mm, okay. So what would it be likely to cost if, if I decided to come to Italy and I wanted to buy a property that wasn't a one euro house that was, you know, maybe needed a little bit of work but was structurally sound, what would the price difference be in the end, once I'd renovated and gone through all that process with a one-year house compared to a house that was already okay. okay. I, I, I give, sure, I give you some numbers. And of, of course, it's mere like statistics and it can be higher, can be lower. Under normal conditions, the cost of, for these type of renovations, and again, we're talking about not just doing changing the, the wallpaper, we're talking about having to redo the piping system, heating system, water system. It's very often there are structural work that need to be done on the roof, on the ceiling, on the facade, on, on the ground of the property. So we have to calculate more or less around 1,000 euro per square meter. In a short amount of time, you already have spent, if you consider like 70 square meter, which is like 700 square feet, so a little more than one slash two bedrooms apartment, already spent something between 50 to 70,000 euro just to the renovation. So this is about the same that you would spend if for a partially restored or turkey property, you can find more 
from my perspective, of course, attractive and well-connected areas from, at least from a market point of view, like Gravinchianti, Montepulciano, Radenchianti, Volterra, Lucca, Perugia, in Umbria. We have clients who are helping to complete near Grosseto. Grosseto is one of the southern cities in, in Tuscany toward Rome. So it's something between Rome and Florence, if you want to say Grosseto. In this beautiful area, you're just on almost on the coast and they're spending 75,000, 80,000 euro. And it's a two bedrooms apartment that fr- freshly renovated by the seller. So that's the reason why at some time you really need to understand what attracts to attracts you to do this kind of investment i don't think you can base uh, base your decision to invest in one euro properties just because it's cheap to buy but you need to be motivated by other things because the mere aspect of the cost of renovation very often mm, match with the cost of renovation uh, like or the overall price or budget you have to buy something that is already much better shape in much better connected areas in mm. in Italy. Mm. What what can go wrong with buying these properties? A lot of them, as as you've said, are in pretty pretty bad shape. There can be some very serious issues with them. Have you ever heard of anyone having to to sell it or not being able to have it renovated in mm-hmm. in time? I th- I, I think in, uh, the majority of the time we hear about the successful stories, which is like person that really embrace the whole adventure, because in my opinion, it is an adventure, deciding to become part of a super small community where there is the barbershop, where there is a bakery, where there is the pharmacist and like very little local communities are super charming, very much like what you can read in some books that talk about Italy. What can go wrong beside the price? I don't know. Like I think, think about and make me think of some of the few, honestly, clients who came to us to buy a property. And after a year or two of living in Italy, decided that this is not the life that they were looking for, mainly because, again, they choose to be in places where the cultural shock, language barrier, lack of connection with other part of Italy can be overwhelming. So if you think about the fact that you need to start working with surveyors, with architects, civil engineers, the bureaucracy, masonry, plumbers, electricians, like there are so many people, processes that need to be taken into consideration where if you're a little bit fluent with the language, if you've been here several times, if you know how to drive even in the small, small streets, obviously, you you already done with a big part of the unknown that you might have to face. Mm-hmm. But it's as I said, it's something that is not depicted, it's not described in almost any of the magazine that talk about the incredible opportunities to buy a property for one year one year, which again is not a scam. It only offer a very, in my opinion, limited picture of the entire operation, of the entire deal. Mm. I read that in uh, Musomele in Sicily that tourism has increased in that town considerably because of the publicity around the one euro houses. And I've also heard that a lot more people have been buying their ordinary houses, not one euro houses, but Mm -hmm. they were drawn in originally by this, this offer, which 
you know, it sounds like it, it's very good for these small towns that were dying before this, this program came about. Now you, we talked a little bit before about residency. So once you buy a house, you need to live in that house, but you're not officially a resident. Is that correct of Italy? You are, you are saying very correct point, Natasha, and thank you for bringing it up because, again, you think you can come here and we pick your one-way airline ticket and say, well, we have a deal with the government who are selling us a house. If I buy a house, I am allowed, you know, that I have a house, I can stay there. This is one of the most dangerous assumptions because in Italy, we don't have a real estate visa or a, a real estate visa scheme that allows you to stay in Italy just because you own a property. So buying a property doesn't give you the right to get a permit to stay visa. So this is one of the most peculiar aspect that is not known. So if you plan to stay in Italy for more than three months over a six months period, now with Australia, then we might have a little different agreements that allows you to stay a little longer. But again, you, you cannot stay more than three or six months per time. You will need to obtain a visa from the Italian consulate of the country where you're from in order to stay in Italy. So if the one your investment you're considering require you to set up, set up a permanent domicile, so if the, the scheme of the municipality is you can buy the property, but you have to come and stay here and set up your permanent domicile, our city, in our home, in the home that you're buying, then you will be able to, uh, you will be able to, to stay here but the government doesn't provide you the visa. It was your responsibility to request a proper long-term national visa from the Italian consulate of your country that will allow you to stay in Italy as long as you want. And make sure that you get in touch with, I would say also with us, with, with uh, because immigration is the other big aspect of our legal activity, before you complete your real estate investment. Because if you really have one year to complete this deed, we need to start thinking now of the type of visa that will allow you to stay in Italy legally in the new property you're about to buy. Mm, yeah, you don't want to, to buy it and find that you're um, not actually allowed to or you're not granted a visa to stay there and be in breach of the conditions of buying the one-year house. Again, it's, it's, you, you must definitely budget for the time and cost needed to apply for a visa via the consulate if, Setting up your permanent residence in a property is one of the conditions. Michele, who are the people who are coming to Italy to buy property? I know it was always a big thing in, in Tuscany with the English. Are they still the main buyers or, or are we seeing more Americans or people from other countries coming and buying property in Italy? I, I, we, are, we are facing... I would like to say a new renaissance. There is a, a booming interest in Italy in general that is it's incredible. We're still trying to understand the social and demographic aspect of what's happening. But as a, because we work on in both the side of investment and let's say real estate and immigration, we happen to have cross-reference of people that decide to come to Italy because they love Italy and Italy is their new chapter in their life or because they want to give themselves a second option. They don't like the situation in some of the countries where they're living for social, demographic or 
different polit political reasons. And Italy, for a lot of these people, is the, the land where they want to come. So sometimes they start with immigration issues, and then, of course, they want to come to live in Italy, and they can afford to stay in Italy. Obviously, they want to buy a property. Sometimes we also find people that they want to diversify their portfolio. They like to travel around the world, and Italy is a good place where to make their real estate investment, and therefore they come here because they want to have a second home, a holiday house they can rent out throughout the year, and when they are not living in Italy, uh, they can rent out. So it depends. Keep in mind that for people, for instance, coming from Australia or United States, with I cannot say Canada. Canada is facing a very peculiar situation in terms of buying properties as a as as an investor. But people from Australia are absolutely able to come to run an investment. I'm not talking about the one euro house, but in general, real estate transaction, even as tourists. So you don't need to have a visa to buy a property in Italy if you are coming from Australia or if you are coming from the United States because you can buy as a tourist. You need to know that if you buy as a tourist, you can stay, use your house for only for a limited amount of time for the time that is given to you to stay in Italy as a tourist. So generally speaking, three months out of a six-month period. You can. We have people that can put it on the market. They hire local um, real estate agencies or Airbnb to keep the property rented and to rent it out. Absolutely, yes. Now, also in this respect, that there are some regulations. For instance, cities like Florence are now, now trying to enforce rules that are little more restrict about super short-term rents, like one or two days rents, because they're not that good for like overpopulated tourists in in the city. But besides, like some regulations that need to be seen on on a case by case scenario, yes, you can definitely think about rent buying a property with the intention of just putting it on a market and rent it out. Mm, okay. I noticed, so last time I was initially at the end of 2022, I noticed that in Florence in particular, there were more Americans that I've ever seen on any visit or when I lived there for a short time in my 20s. Are you seeing an uptake in the in interest in Americans in particular wanting to buy property? We have, um, in my case, I have to say that I, as an English-speaking lawyer, I I deal mainly with people speaking English. So Americans are definitely one of the biggest part of our, our clients, but also we have Australians, we have people from New Zealand, from, from Canada, from England, a lot of UK, mm. especially after Brexit decided, UK citizens decide that they want to stay here and move here. There is definitely a, a big demand of properties and investment from, from America, but, you know, there are also new markets. We, mm. we see China, we see a little bit of Russia, we see Middle East countries, UAE. Like, so mm. it's not some of the biggest real estate and renovations and investment, like with funds coming to do run investments to renovate incredible big palace and building and palazzos are actually uh, from Middle East or from Taiwan mm. or from, from other countries. But in terms of of tourism that you can see walking on the streets, probably you're right. Like the Americans have been always the biggest resource of tourism for, for Italy and they're probably now more than before. Yeah. And, and let's talk a bit about regions. I mean, Tuscany has always been a, a very, very popular region with foreigners wanting to buy 
property. Are foreigners still tending to stick to the tried and true, the Tuscany, Umbria, where else? Lazio, maybe. Where, where are they looking to buy? That's a very good question. I have to tell you that now more than before is like really spread out. Tuscany obviously has a special thing for like books and movies and a lot of things. But mm. next week I'm going to be in Lake of Como for a person who is uh, buying a property there. Then I will be in Perugia, in Umbria. Then we have clients are buying properties in, in Puglia, near Bari. We have a couple of clients that are buying in Sicily because for to honor their families because they come mm. from family near Messina and they decided they want to buy there. So it's what I, what I tell to these people is you can buy properties in Italy either with your heart or with your with your brain in your wallet, meaning you can get incredible opportunities to run investment, to buy properties here in Italy because you love the area, because you want to be absolutely there for romantic, for, again, for the family legacy that brings you back where your family was from originally 100 years ago. But you can also say, well, after all I care or what I want is to park my money in, 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 a, in a property that I want to be able to use to during my trips. But at the end of the day, if I'm not there, I want to rent it. And if I want to sell it tomorrow, it's not going to take me two years to find a potential buyer. Mm. Mm. So if you're buying with the intention of a romantic investment, you can really invest whatever you want. That's my personal opinion. If you want to rent, you buy with intention of having a blank check, as we say sometimes. So something that tomorrow you can put it back on the market. You need to take in consideration what are the areas where there is the highest level of demand, where it's easier to, to sell. And again, and I put again to the importance of communicating. Um, um, the ability to be connected with the rest of Italy. So the, the street infrastructure, Florence and Tuscany are chosen very often, not only because of their incomparable beauty, but also because from Florence, you can, in one hour and a half, you're in Rome, one hour and a half, you're in Milan, in two hours, you're in Venice, you have international flights arriving to Pisa, and allows you to travel by flight all around mm -hmm. Europe and outside of European Union. So even from a logistic perspective, you are you have high speed trains that allow you to to be connected anywhere. But mm. we could say the same thing about Messina. We could say the same thing about other areas of Italy where you can fly internationally with no problem. You're a little less connected to the rest of Italy, but absolutely there there are good investment everywhere everywhere in Italy. Mm. So Michele, do you think there's anything else that foreigners need to know about buying and property buying property in Italy that we haven't covered? I think I want a um, few words about one thing that you mentioned when you said if you're I think you, you said the word uh, if you're a nomad um, like a digital nomad like mm. a person that can really work from whatever they are with no limitations and uh, some people came to us this court saying well we heard that Italy originally had a, a digital nomad visa now they discontinued they're not doing anymore. So that doesn't mean we can, if we are digital nomads, if we can work from whatever we want, is there a way for us to stay in Italy if we want to stay in Italy longer? And the answer is yes, because if you're a digital nomad, at the end of the day, you are you are a freelancer. So you can absolutely, we can absolutely help to set up your freelance activity that, of course, you run with your laptop from whatever you want. And is absolutely one of the things you can, you can do while you're buying your property. And getting a visa to stay here in Italy is a 
with the proper help that, for instance, is not such a daunting process. There are a lot of things you can read online, and this is one probably my final advice, being be very careful about the information you can get on social medias or in some other um, like groups, because it's true that a lot of the advice you get from these people are given in good faith, and there are people that probably had a very successful experience, but it's just their experience. Mm-hmm. And very often the experience that work well for one person is not going to work for the other. So trying to find and use legitimate resources from official websites, like the one of the municipalities, if you're looking for one euro properties, or from legal experts like us, like that can help you figuring out exactly the the pro and cons and the like put together a, a good application, either for a visa, for a, a real estate investment. Mm, well, Michele, thank you so much. Like so many other people, I've dreamed of owning a property initially one day. And I've been really fascinated, but also a little sceptical, I guess, about the one euro houses. So I'm really grateful that we got to chat about them. And I'm a little bit excited to hear that about the freelance visa. And as as somebody who is a freelancer and who also loves Italy, it's something I'm definitely going to be looking into in the future. Well, just let us know if you want to be back on track on on for another episode, and we can definitely talk about yeah. all the peculiarities working remotely. Would be uh, is definitely a, a very interesting subject for for a lot of you. A lot of Australian and people from New Zealand are looking for opportunities to stay here longer. Mm. And we have a lot of very successful stories to share with you if you want. Excellent. That is so good to know. Michele, thank you so much for joining me on Extra Virgin. It's been great talking with you. Well, it was great being with you. Thank you to you and all your listener. We are looking forward to hearing more about your beautiful podcast, really providing so many incredible tips and tricks for people interested in and Uh, so many things. So very well done, Dasha. I will put Michele's contact details on the Extra Virgin website, www.extravirginfoodandtravel.com. But thank you as always for your company and until next time, bon voyage and bon appétit. You've been listening to Extra Virgin Travel. You can get more travel inspiration on our website, www.extravirginfoodandtravel.com. You can follow Extra Virgin Travel on Instagram and Facebook or email us at extravirginfoodandtravel at gmail.com. If you like what we do, you can support us by buying a virtual coffee at our website too. If you haven't already, go to Apple, Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast to like, download and subscribe so you never miss an episode.